0: Hi, Laura. Hi, Leah. So what are we talking about today? Yeah, let's just get right to the point. So (laughs) today we're talking about the movement to abolish cars, Mm -hmm. or at least banish them from certain spaces, you know, return the streets to the people.
1: Ooh, interesting. We should mention that this is the beginning of our new Abolish series.
0: Right. So for the next few episodes, we're going to discuss a different social or political movement to abolish something like schools, work, a few other things, social constructs, right? Social constructs. And today we're talking about the movement to abolish private vehicles from our streets. Is this happening now? Are people banishing cars? Well, it's actually quite an old movement, and Mm. a lot of people have been working on it for a long time. So, for several decades, people have been creating what they call pedestrian malls, and Hmm. a lot of those didn't work out. The word mall really doesn't have that sort of like free spirited, return the streets to the people vibe. No, my God. I'm
1: imagining like an indoor mega mall where you buy pedestrians. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) But the basic idea of having a place where people could gather on foot did work in a lot of places. In fact, there's a thriving one near my alma mater, um, UVA, in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, There's another one in Burlington, Vermont, another one in Ithaca, New York, Boulder, Colorado. The list goes on.
1: Those all sound like university towns. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Which makes Berkeley, where our office is located, or where the edge is recorded, a prime candidate. And sure enough, there is a movement here to turn parts of Berkeley car-free. And most notably, they're talking about a four-block stretch, which is just south of the campus on Telegraph Avenue.
1: Okay, so to distinguish the two, we're talking about making certain areas car-free, not
0: entirely eliminating cars from the world right right well well, sort of Um, I think the groups that are leading this fight see these locations as just the beginning of what could eventually become a much larger movement so increasingly activists are seeing private cars as both a climate change concern but also sort of an enemy of cities really thriving Mm -hmm. so yeah while we're talking about just doing this in specific areas the ambitions of the car-free activists are much larger and we're in a really rich time for this kind of imaginative thinking about cities. Um, Leah, do you remember our Future of Cities episode where we talked to Vishan Chakrabarty? Yeah,
1: actually, I was just thinking about that. It, it's one of my favorite episodes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that episode was about um, it was about how the pandemic created a lot of opportunities to uh, reimagine how we live and work in cities, um, and we'll include mm-hmm. a link to that in the show notes. But but like Vishan said, the pandemic forced people to try new things quickly, and a lot of the bureaucratic hassles that had held people up from making community gathering spots and slow streets or having parklets and restaurants sort of went away, like, overnight. And it changed a lot of people's minds about how cities should look. And this kind of silver lining of the pandemic is really playing out here in Berkeley on Telegraph Avenue. Cool. So what exactly
1: is happening on Telegraph?
0: Well, the initial part of the plan, which is creating a dedicated bus lane, just got approved by the Berkeley City Council. Hmm. But the rest of the plan, including making parts of Telegraph entirely rid of cars, so from haste to campus, it's about four blocks, is the long-term goal is it gonna happen that's a great question so the details (laughs) are still very much being debated but there is really more support and energy than ever before
1: laura for any of our listeners who aren't super familiar with telegraph avenue maybe we should explain
0: what it is yeah that's a that's a good point um So Telegraph is kind of a big deal around here. It's really seen as like the center of radical Berkeley. Um, It was ground zero for the free speech movement in the 60s. And since then, there's been a lot of activism and protest occurring on Telegraph. There are also like a lot of iconic Berkeley shops like Amoeba Records, uh, the head shop Annapurna and Moe's Books, which they've all been around forever. Um, And there are a bunch of restaurants and smoke shops and clothing stores, like really everything, you name it. And it really has its own, like, unique culture. And Michael Chabon even wrote a novel about it.
1: Well, if Michael Chabon wrote a novel about it,
0: then (laughs) (laughs) say no more.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So in a lot of ways, I guess, then you could say that if radical change is afoot, it might start on Telegraph Avenue.
0: This is The Edge, a podcast produced by California Magazine and the Cal Alumni Association. In this episode, we'll talk about the car-free movement
1: in Berkeley and across the nation. I'm your host, Laura Smith. And I'm your other host, Leah Worthington.
0: Music out. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. All right. So today I'm talking to Rigel Robinson and Sam Greenberg. Rigel is the Berkeley City Council member for District 7, which includes the campus and the area of Telegraph that we'll be talking about today. And he's also an alum, class of 2018. And Sam Greenberg is an urban studies and political economy student at Cal. And he's also the co-founder of Telegraph for People, an advocacy organization pushing for a car-free Telegraph. So first, starting with you, Sam, make the case for why Telegraph
2: should be car-free. So Telegraph is near campus in Southside, specifically has the second highest pedestrian volume in the East Bay behind Oakland Chinatown. And uh, it is basically the gateway to campus. And pedestrian malls and just generally pedestrian streets are really successful in college towns. So the reason that we're really pushing for Car Free Telegraph is because we think it's not only just a perfect candidate in terms of, you know, comparing it to other examples, which we'd point to Burlington, Vermont, Boulder, Colorado. We think just it is the best example we can think of, of a, a college town that should have its you know main street for students pedestrianized, because this is not just a place within town that a lot of students go to. It's the place students pass through as well, which I think is really unique. And, and basically... All freshmen are passing down telegraph to get to campus. It's kind of just how it works. Um, and, and it is a currently crowded with cars. Um, and and really the street wasn't designed for cars. It was designed for streetcars uh way back in the day. And we've kind of tried to force cars in as much as possible. And, and um, that makes it incredibly unpleasant to be on Telegraph. There is no outdoor seating. Um, there is no reason to stand around and people watch. There are very few spaces you could really call public spaces to sit around in. It's just you kind of file down the crowded sidewalks. And it's just it, it's not the pleasant experience it should be. And, and really, we see Car Free Telegraph as a way to revitalize Telegraph to make it uh, a destination rather than just a you know place to pass through.
0: OK, how about you, Rigel? Why Telegraph?
3: sam nailed it because it just makes sense it is a rich commercial district that has dense housing and tenants largely students who live walkable lifestyles like sam said it is the perfect candidate for a pedestrianization to really build a rich cultural community that puts first the events and the days that make telegraph most special we close Telegraph routinely for street fairs, for festivals, for concerts. Those are the days when Telegraph Avenue shines brightest. Uh, Americans love visiting cities like Paris and Madrid, because the cities are so beautiful and it is such a an intuitive and charming and natural experience to explore these pa- places as a pedestrian. And that's a little of what I think we're missing in a lot of American cities. Um, When we talk about running a dedicated bus lane through Telegraph Avenue, that can sound deeply radical. And in some ways it is, but we would all benefit from reminding ourselves that Telegraph Avenue actually used to be a streetcar line connecting Berkeley to Oakland. This is about restoring the sort of public transit priority that used to be what principally governed our streets. There is a movement happening all over the country to redesign streets around people, not just cars. And we have an incredible opportunity here to make Telegraph Avenue a beacon of that progress.
0: Okay, so can you paint a picture, like a verbal picture of what would be different about Telegraph? Oh, and I should mention that you can go to telegraphforpeople.com to actually see the design that's being proposed.
2: The kinds of elements that we want to see that we don't have right now uh, are much wider sidewalks. I mean, right now, it's re- like you cannot pleasantly walk down Telegraph Avenue without bumping into people. Um, it is it is incredibly cramped. It should not be. Additionally, we want space for uh, parklets, for businesses. And that's not just for outdoor dining. Uh, I've recently visited Santa Barbara and on State Street, there were stores that just had parklets filled with all of their merchandise that you could but basically look out outside. It was beautiful. It also invited you into the store, stores that you would you know, normally not walk into. That kind of thing is something that I think businesses don't really know as an option, but uh, that we would give them, for example, clothing stores would have that option, which is incredible. I mean, that would also make the street so much more uh, lively. And ad- additionally, within that same space, there would be space for loading. Um, so basically we would have, um, uh, loading would be accessible in the mornings, uh, which it currently is. When the street goes past another street, for example, when Telegraph hits Durant, the sidewalks would be continuous and the street would be at sidewalk level and continuous. And that's actually going to be built uh, under Southside Complete Streets already, um, which makes the pedestrian experience a lot safer and a lot more enjoyable and a lot more accessible for people with mobility issues, for example.
0: And real quick, for listeners who don't know what Southside Complete Streets is, basically it's just a project to improve conditions on Telegraph and a few other streets. Um, But what would you say has been the greatest impediment to this happening historically then and now? Sam?
2: Basically, anytime you want to redistribute street space at all from, from motorists to any other users, basically anywhere um, in the United States, there will be opposition from businesses. And that's been the case in the past to car-free telegraph, like you know, pedestrian mall proposals. Uh, that once again, go back to the 60s. This is a very old idea. Um, And also more recently to bus lanes uh, running down Telegraph from Berkeley to Oakland were killed from business opposition about 10 years ago. And and there is still business opposition today. But one thing I'll note is that the business opposition has been significantly reduced compared to 10 years ago. Um, What killed even just running bus lanes down this section of Telegraph 10 years ago, is now a very quiet couple of businesses.
0: Um, We should mention real quick for listeners who don't know what Southside Complete Streets is. Basically, it's just a project to improve conditions on Telegraph and a few other streets. But what would both of you say has been the greatest impediment to this happening historically and now? Um, Sam, why don't you start?
2: In a lot of places where they've started, for example, building protected bike lanes that take up parking. Businesses are initially scared, but then they start realizing that people on bikes, people walking are their customers. And actually, the city did an analysis where they surveyed business owners and then they surveyed their customers on Telegraph in Southside um, a couple of years ago. And they found that business owners overestimated the amount of their, their customers who arrive in cars, which is actually second to last only ahead of arriving by Uber or Lyft. Really, people on Telegraph are arriving by bus. They're walking. They're biking.
3: It's interesting. You know, I think Telegraph Avenue has always been a symbol of change. It's the home of the free speech movement. It's the home of the Center for Independent Living, the first public curb cut in the United States. Uh, I was on Telegraph Avenue. There's a little plaque commemorating it at Durant. It's the home of the, the Berkeley Free Clinic and and so much more. But across those decades, one thing hasn't changed, and that's the streetscape itself. Sam talked a little about the story of bus rapid transit in Berkeley from a little more than a decade ago in 2010, uh, which is deeply relevant today. This was a project that uh, the region was deeply invested in to build a stronger bus connection between the city of Berkeley and the city of Oakland along Telegraph Avenue to plan for the growth of both cities, to plan for the growth of the university. But the city of Berkeley killed that project for reasons that you know I think are easy to understand. You know, fears about parking loss, fears about the impacts of construction. But now looking back, it is so obvious how myopic and short-sighted that decision was. That project would have been better for the region's economy. It would have been better for our emissions. It would have helped more residents choose to live car-free lifestyles. And it would have been a spine that brought the East Bay together. And we passed up on that opportunity.
0: So, Rigel, why do you think there's resistance to this kind of thing?
3: A project like this is intimidating. Uh, We know there's a lot of anxieties on the avenue uh, from merchants and small business owners about it. And we we understand that. I think you know much of that comes from a really good place that we need to recognize. Construction is scary. If we're going to totally redo the street from storefront to storefront, that's going to be a, a significant event that's going to affect the ad- avenue for for months, maybe a year. It's, it's hard to tell. Uh, but my hope is that we can bring everyone along because I truly believe, like so many of these other projects, like... Times Square, which was pedestrianized not so long ago. When this work is done, it will be impossible to imagine that it was different before, that we allowed cars to speed down Telegraph Avenue and that pedestrians only had so far to walk alongside each other uh, and that we hadn't built the district around the merchants, around the street vendors, around the concerts and festivals that make it so special. It's a really inspiring future ahead of us. Uh, it'll just take a few million bucks in a couple of years for us to get there.
0: Realistically, what do you think? Could we see like a car-free telegraph in 2025?
3: Oh, that's a good number. I like that number. You know, I would be pretty thrilled with that number. Uh, you know, I think what's interesting um, as part of this conversation too is uh you know, the the role of pilots and quick build approaches. I think there's absolutely a universe where we could have much more frequent you know effective street closures for private automobiles uh before a final version of that is implemented. There's a lot of ways this could trickle out uh but we're hoping that uh you know at least some of the streets will start construction next year, which is really huge
0: mm-hmm. so looking way forward in both of your careers and in your visions for the area or the world. Where do you see this kind of thing going? What's the future
3: look like? <laughs> there are opportunities like this all over the country and, and all over Berkeley, frankly. Um, you, you could pretty concisely design a little short list of pedestrianization opportunities in particular blocks of commercial districts, even just in Berkeley. You know, I'm thinking of one right off of downtown at Center Street right now, we're exploring a similar idea. Which is really exciting. And, you know, these can be a natural fit in all sorts of places that you know, achieve so many kind of varied interests. It fits into our work to design walkable communities. It fits into our work to create destinations and to enrich the the commercial atmosphere and vitality of a district. Uh, contributes to our work to encourage people to live car free lifestyles. It's a it's a beautiful thing and can create aesthetic scenes and opportunities for real placemaking in our cities. So my hope is that we can create a model that can be emulated and can be an inspiration for our own city and in other spots in town, but also for every other jurisdiction in the Bay Area, uh, for every other college town in the country that already has a dense walkable community that would embrace a project like this. There's a lot of places this can go.
0: This is The Edge, brought to you by California Magazine and the Cal Alumni Association. I'm Laura Smith. And I'm Leah Worthington. This episode was produced by Kobe McDonald with support from Pat Joseph. Special thanks to Rigel Robinson and Sam Greenberg. Original music by Mowgli Morial. Ooh, yeah, people. Blah, 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 blah.